morning, everybody. Good to see all of you. So exciting every time I'm here to dig into the Word with you guys and just to share out of the Word with you guys. I'm happy and blessed to be here. Um, we are in the series called One Life, and it's based on the book by uh, Scott McKnight. And last week, Pastor Sebastian uh, did the kickoff for it, and he spoke about, um, uh, well, the title was From I, or From Me to We, not from I, from me to we. Um, and he's in Paris this week, and he sends his greetings to you guys. He's preaching there. He's uh, at our location in Celebration Church Paris, and he's preaching over there. So he sends his greetings to you guys from Paris. Um, this week, we are going to talk or uh, take a look at the, some of the parables that Jesus told. And uh, the, the title for today will be Your Life Matters. And, um, you know, when Jesus came to the earth and he was teaching people about the, a God and the kingdom of God, he often spoke in parables. And not always were these parables very um, clear to, to the people. And he didn't explain all of them. He explained some, but not all. So it wasn't always clear what the parables meant. But he did this for a reason, though. He did this, one of the reasons was that he did it um, just to, to call upon our imagination. And that we would think of normal, day, everyday things in life and then see the kingdom vision in that. So they would transform our normal life into the, of the life of the kingdom. And that's what we are going to explore a little bit today. But let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment, God. We thank you for this moment in your house that we are together here with our brothers and sisters and that we can just um, listen to what you have to say to us and how you can encourage us and maybe some places uh, just guide us a little bit with a strict word. But um, we're here to learn and to, to love you and to honor you and um, to see how we can build your kingdom, God. We bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of you that might um, have heard me talk before or you know me, you know that I like the animal kingdom and nature. Or you might know that. Maybe you don't know. But now you know. I like the animal kingdom and nature. And especially the combination of these two. I like to see animals in the natural habitat and to see how they react to it. And sometimes, you know, my wife doesn't really like it because I'm always like, hey, do you see that fox? Do you see that deer? You know, I'm like, in the, I always see it, by the way. Like, I see every animal beside the road. And I'm always pointing it out. And she doesn't always like that. You know, it's ah, huge animals, you know. But still, I, I just like it and I still do it. Um, I like it because, like, every animal has its own purpose, and every animal is different, and that's the same with the trees and, and plants and stuff like that, and um, it's just so much fun to see that it looks like every animal knows exactly what it has to do. It's like they know their purpose and what they're here for in helping the earth to be the earth that it can be, and of course, the earth can go on without certain animals because that's what happened you know, some animals are not here anymore that were here years ago but still the earth was, will not um, will not function in its full capacity 
if certain animals are not here. So the animals, like the smallest animals, have a big impact in uh, the world. Just think about ants or beetles or tardigrades or copots or man's favorite, which is the mosquito. Yes, exactly. We all like the mosquitoes, right? <laughs> I know. I hate them too. But they have a purpose as well. And it's just so amazing to see. You know, they, they, um, they make the earth, like the soil. They make the soil. They spread uh, seeds. They populate flowers. They recycle certain nutrients, uh, nutrients in, back into the soil. So it, it, is, it, it, it can... Um, it can cause like things to grow again and be healthy for those animals or healthy for the plants and everything like that. Even the smallest animals have, have a big impact. And I just want to talk about this one animal, which is very small. It's a copot. Who doesn't know a copot, right? We all know it, right? No. Okay. I got some teaching to do then. No, I... I understand you don't know him, but let me tell you a little bit about him. It's a, it's a small animal, about one to two millimeters long, small, big, however you want to call it. And they live in waters. They live in waters. And it has multiple, multiple functions in the waters. One of them is that they share this scent into the waters. And by doing that, um, there's a certain plankton species that will react to that scent. And they do that by different, in different ways. But they do this to, to the utmost to avoid being eaten. And what they do, will do, some of them will brighten up, they will light up. Some of them will shed uh, a chemical into the, the waters. Some of them will become toxic, um, or they can shrink in size. All of this is like amazing already, right? It's I like it, okay? I'm the only one that thinks it's amazing. It doesn't matter. But what makes it even more amazing is that this plankton species is really, really important for all marine life. So it's, it's like one of the major things that makes this marine life um, live. So can you imagine what the impact would be if this tiny animal, our tiny friends, if they will be like, you know what, I am not going to do my job today. I am not going to do what I'm created for. You know, I can't make an impact anyway. This ocean is humongous. I'm this tiny animal, one to two millimeters long. What kind of impact can I make? You know, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to swim and train for the Olympics or something like that. I mean, I'm not going to do it anymore. The, the impact would be major if that animal wouldn't do that anymore. And I know you guys are going home now, ready to watch Animal Planet and National Geographic. So that's good. We'll talk about it next week, how you, what you've seen. But this is how we sometimes think um, about the kingdom of God as well and our place in it. We sometimes think that we are these tiny people on this big planet and it's impossible for us to make a big impact. And if we think that way, I want to show you that Jesus thinks something else. 
Let's go to Mark 4, 26 through 29. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts, the sickle, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is just a great parable that, um, that shows that God is at work in the little things that we do. You know, a seed in general is a small thing, right? And when it's planted into the ground, it needs some kind of things, you know, it needs some things to grow into something what is made to turn into. You know, you know exactly what you are going to get when you plant seed yourself. You won't get a banana plant if you're expecting an apple tree, right? You know exactly what the seed would turn into once it sprouts and once it grows. And that's the same thing with the kingdom of God. We know what we are going to get if we sow a certain seed. And that's the seed of the kingdom. If we, you know, our job is to, is to plant these seeds of spreading love, spreading um, joy, happiness, self-control, if we show that to people. We know exactly what we are going to get from that because, um, because the, the world needs that. And when they see it, they are going to react in a way like, I want more of that. I want, I want what they have. And then we can lead them to the source of all of this that we have. Now, I remember when I was playing baseball in the States and some of those guys were making it pretty tough on me because I was a Christian or I am a Christian. And, you know, I wasn't... Um, fun for them to be around, maybe, or they thought that I was uh, a little bit soft, not slow, you know, I was slow to being angry, so they were like, ah, oh, he's soft, and they would challenge me in that, you know, trying to make me angry, push me to the limit, and I had to let them know, you know, there's this line, you don't want to cross it, because if he crosses it, I'm, I'm going to be angry, and you won't like me when I'm angry. That's my whole impersonation. You won't like me when I'm angry. But then it was okay, you know, and then we had this certain period of time again where they wouldn't challenge me, and then it would come up again. But I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't hang out with girls in the hotel room, so I was kind of boring for, those, for that group of, of guys, you know. And let me just clarify, it's not all baseball players that are like that, you know, just to make sure that you guys are not having a bad um, impression of baseball players. But, um, you know, I, I didn't think that I was a good Christian, even though I didn't do all of those things and, um, you know, did what I thought that, that God was asking for me. I didn't think that I was a good Christian. And the reason for that was I didn't talk to many guys about being a Christian or what it meant to be a Christian. So I was like, you know, I'm not really doing a good job. I'm not spreading the gospel. And... You know, I did talk to them about it if they asked me to, if they asked the question, but I was kind of shy, so I didn't like to talk to guys too much, and I was scared that they were going to ask me a question that I didn't know the answer to. So I did what I thought that I could do at that moment, and that was to be an example in the way I live my life, and didn't want to waver from that, didn't let anything change the way I thought that God wanted me to live. 
that's what I did. So years later, when connecting with some, some of these guys um, in person or online, some of you guys told me that they're a Christian now. And I was already happy hearing that, you know, and they said, well, you know, you were an inspiration for me back in, that, in those days. And I was like, you know, how? He was like, yeah. They were like, because you, you never wavered. You, you showed us what it is to be a Christian. You know, and at that, at that point in time, they maybe, maybe they were scared to make that step. Or maybe they were scared to or think that they couldn't do what I did. They couldn't be like me. You know, and maybe it was just not the time to do it. And I'm not saying this all to let you think that I'm this perfect, or I was this perfect Christian boy or anything like that. Trust me, I wasn't. I had my, my faults and everything. But I'm just saying this to let you know that God is at work in your daily life, in your daily walk with him. You know, whatever you think you're doing, and, and it's not making an impact, it is. I'm telling you, it is. Right after this parable, Jesus told another one about a seed. And we will, we will read this from uh, the perspective of the book of Matthew. We will go to Matthew 13, verse 31 to uh, 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants, and it becomes a tree. So that the birds come and perch it, perch it in, in its branches. Perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven, heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. You know, the other parable that we saw is that, um, that this farmer sowed the seeds and he didn't think of it anymore but it grew out of itself, right? And it turned into this big thing. And that's the increase of God, that God did that. So it, it, it should humble ourselves in knowing that it's not us doing the work for it. And it should also um, minimize the pressure that we put on ourselves to think that we have to do something big. And in this parable, you know, God, uh, Jesus is showing that the kingdom is not a very obvious kingdom. It's not a kingdom that what they would talk, uh, think at that time that it was very obvious for people. That when the kingdom would come, everybody would know. Like it would fall out of heaven. Bam! There it is. Kingdom of heaven. Everybody knows it. It wasn't like that. So Jesus tries to amplify that in saying that the kingdom of God is like a seed. And he's not sure here if the Mustard seed is the right translation because the mustard seed is the, grows into a plant and doesn't really become a tree. But there is, however, a mustard seed or a version of a mustard seed um, that grows into this big plant. It's called the Nicotiana glauca, also known as a tobacco tree. And as you can see on the picture, it is a pretty big plant. And it looks like a tree. It is indeed the, like the biggest um, plants that, that you could sow in the gardens. And if we just take this plant, then you will see certain characteristics. 
and one of it is that it grows pretty fast. In about 60 days, you will have new seeds growing. And 20 days after that, the, the seeds will be mature and ready to fall into the ground and ready to you know, start from the beginning again to produce this life. Um, and that is, you know, if, if it would be falling on good soil, it could be able to spread very quickly. And in, in a short period of time, you will have this whole field covered with these mustard plants. And what Jesus also shows us with this is that the mustard plant is something that will produce life from itself, but it's also a safe place for other life forms to come in and to dwell in it. And this is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is something that it will produce life from itself, but it should also be, it is also a safe place for others to come in. And this is the way that we have to represent the church. This is the way that we have to represent the church here. So it has to be a safe place for people to come here and to live in our midst, to be in our midst. And it's not always the case like that. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church in general. I think we have made it, um, we made it too hard, too difficult. We turned this mustard plant into a wasabi plant. Really, Finns, wasabi plant? <laughs> yeah, I know. I told you guys I, I like nature, you know? So let me just take you along with me a little bit, and hopefully you can see where I'm coming from in this. One of the characteristics of a wasabi plant is the axis. And um, one wasabi farmer said that it took six years simply to get access to viable seeds. Some people have, have searched for a very long time to find a church that is viable. They go from church to church and, uh, you know, to try to find a church that is viable and sometimes without any luck. And it causes them to stay away from church and not go to church anymore in, in general, which I understand, you know, I understand that. You know, a church has to be home. It has to be where you feel at home. And I understand that the church is not, not, not every church is going to be for everybody. I understand that. But you shouldn't have to look years and years to find a church that is viable and that you can feel at home at. You know, when me and my, and my wife, Melissa, we moved to Almira eight years ago, we were looking for years there to find a church that we felt at home at. And I'm not saying that we looked constantly in those years. You know, there were period of times that we didn't look, but still, it took us years to find a church. We didn't find a church, actually. We were looking for a church to feel at home, and if I think about it now, the things that would make us feel at home are things that, in my opinion, make a, a church viable. And in no particular order, I'm going to tell you what we were looking for. We were looking for a church where we felt, felt welcome, and it means that when we were walking through the door of the church, that we could feel that people were welcoming us with open arms, not judging us, not condemning us, not being arrogant towards us, and really see us coming in. That was, for, that was important for us. Second thing is that we were looking for a church where we could be fed with the word 
and in different ways that we could grow in, in our faith and that we could grow uh, with people alongside of us. And that was for me and Melissa, but also for our kids. And the third thing was that, obviously, God had to be present in, in the services. You know, we had to see a move from God during the service. And I think those are the, like certain things that make a church viable. And when we came to this church, we felt that. We felt those things. And I know many of you guys have felt that thing, those things as well. And I have heard a great testimony. So I think we have to do a service for just those testimonies alone. I was thinking about it in the first service. Maybe we have to do that because I think it's important for everyone here to hear those testimonies. I think it's good to hear. So I'm going to talk to Pastor Sebastian about that, see if we can, see if we can get that done. One more characteristic of a wasabi plant is that is development. A wasabi plant takes just over a year to mature. This is a very long time in the, the uh, farming, in farming. You know, and development of disciples is important in the church. And if it takes a long time to develop disciples in church, the church is going to have a tough time to grow in a healthy way. And it's not going to grow as quick as it can. And the reason Iran is one of the fastest growing churches in the world is because they make disciples very quick. You know, we make it way too difficult. You know, we, we make it way too difficult and too systematic. And that's why we don't grow as fast as we can. If we keep it simple, I believe that the kingdom of God will grow into something really big and in a fairly short amount of time, like Jesus just told in this parable. And just like the yeast, we'll be able to be something that's not very noticeable at first, but later on we will have an impact from the inside that will impact the whole um, bread in this case. It will have a big impact on everything if we keep it like this, if we keep it simple. Matthew 13, verse 24 to 30 says the following. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And he went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seeds in your field? Where then did these weeds where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the weed with them. Let bro both grow together until the harvest. At the time, I will tell the harvesters: first collect the weeds and tie them up in bundles to be burned. Then get on the weed and bring them into my barn. This is the point where we get back to where we can do our part and to help grow the kingdom of God. Because some people don't know they want to be part of the kingdom of God. Sometimes they don't know exactly what it means to be in the kingdom, 
to be part of the kingdom. They don't know exactly what the kingdom is like. Maybe they went to church, but they don't really like what they saw there. Maybe they hear things on the news. You don't hear good things on the news about the churches very often, right? So that doesn't help. And God lets, lets unbelievers and believers grow side by side. This is like the, the perfect time for us to show them what it's like to be weed instead of weeds. What it is that they can grow into. Sometimes we are quick to condemn the people that, that come through our doors. You know, we are, we forgot where God has brought us from. The gutter that God has brought us out. The mud, how long it took to shake off this mud and to be stainless in his eyes. You know, we forget that sometimes. So then when people come in and we're like, oh, you got this problem. You need to fix that right away. You need to fix it right now. When it took a long time for us to get fixed. You know, and by doing that, you know, that is, let, me, let me say it's differently. It's not our place to do that. We should leave it up to God to judge. And that day will come when he will judge. Our place is to show them love, to show them the kingdom love. And let God change them. Let me leave you with two takeaways. Normally, we go three or f even more than that. So, you know, I'm going easy on you guys. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you guys will remember these two. Then next week when we have a test, you know, you will be able to score 100% out of it. But let's go to the first one. First one is small is big. A seed is planted in the earth where it has to develop and become something that is sown for, right? It becomes this big tree or this big plant. But where does this seed, does most of its work? Underground, right? Somewhere where nobody sees it, nobody sees what's happening. It's underground where it does most of its work, most important work to grow into this plant. You know, very oftentimes, the things that we do behind closed doors, the things that we do that is not seen by many people are the things that have the most impact in the world or in our own lives, for example. You know, when we are praying, when we are reading the Bible, when we are listening to sermons, when we are reading books to develop ourselves, these are the things that not many people see, but it has an impact on our lives. And it creates the, the foundation of being able to grow in, into something big. And that goes for work or maybe if you are an athlete or uh, artist or something like that. It's always the things you do behind closed doors that nobody sees that have the biggest impact in your life so that it could grow into something that the people will see. But oftentimes we, we think we only see the things that are big, right? We only see the things that people... Um, we only see the things that come out of the ground. You know, we don't see what happens on the ground. But the same thing goes for the kingdom of God. It's those little things that we do. You know, doing groceries for somebody. It's returning uh, an item to the rightful owner. Um, just helping somebody in need any way we can. We can. I mean, 
that goes a long way. And it makes a huge impact. This, this plant, you know, that starts off with the seed, if it doesn't have the right foundation, it will never grow into something big. And we need other plants beside us to grow as well. Right? We can't, this plant can't cover a whole field by itself. It needs other plants to grow as well. So we should be happy when we see somebody else grow beside us. We should root for that person. Did you see what I did there? Root? Like root from... No. no, okay. So we should root for that person. We should root for our brothers and sisters to grow beside us, you know? And that way we can have this big impact in this world. And for us to enjoy these Sunday services, there are a lot of people working underground, you know, to make, to make this all work. And I bet a lot of you, I think a lot of you, don't know that every Monday this building is being cleaned by a person sitting next to you. That we have a prayer team that is not only praying before the services, but is there during the week as well, praying for everybody that comes through these doors. That we have different teams here that you see on a Sunday that are not working on a Sunday only, they're working during the week as well either at home, sometimes coming to this building, but it's different ways that, are, that they are working to make this Sunday work. To, to do, to have an impact in the things that we see here on a Sunday. There's a lot of work going underground, being done underground. And I just want to highlight one of these teams, which is the Beamer team and communication team because I made it very difficult for them this week. I sent in my notes way too late, you know, and they still are able to put the, the, the text on the screen and everything like that, so please give them a hand. Really appreciate you guys in, in fixing that for me, and I will do my best next time to send in my notes earlier and give you guys some more time. But, I, you know, we often see just the big things, and we think that we have to do those things. We have to do the big things in order to have an impact. But I'm telling you, you sending a text message to somebody that you are thinking of that you haven't seen in church the, the last week, and you're just asking them, hey, how are, you, how are you doing? I haven't seen you last week. Are you okay? That can go a long way. That can make a really big impact. Inviting somebody to come to eat with you. You know, you may think of something that, that is small, but the conversation that you will have at that table can have a major impact in their lives. The second takeaway is follow and lead. We are going to read from Matthew 28 to see what that means. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We will have a baptism coming up soon, by the way. So those of you that are interested in that, please let us know. And teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We see here, here, here three things happening. First, he says to make disciples. Second thing, he says to baptize people. 
And third is that um, to observe the teaching. The teaching is to observe all that I have commanded you. So to do something, right? So when Jesus was leaving the earth, he told the, the disciples to make disciples of all nations. But what is a disciple? In Hebrew, it is Talmud, or in plural, Talmudim. It is one who dedicated himself to learning a rabbi's understanding of scripture and his way of living it out. In Greek, a disciple is a matetes, matetes, I don't know if I'm saying it right, or plural, matetai. Kind of sounds like a karate creed, right? Matetai! I'm going to remember that in that way now. But in both languages, it, the word means student or uh, learner. There's also a female disciple in, in the Bible. Uh, and that word is a talmida, or in Greek is a matetria. So there's also a female disciple. It's not just men. And it was custom for the disciples to live with their rabbi. And that way they could copy all the things that he was doing as well. So it wasn't just about his understanding of the Bible. It was also about his lifestyle. What is he doing? What is, how is he living out his knowledge of the Bible? How is he living that out? So that was important for them to learn. And it was an intimate way of teaching and learning. It was an intimate relationship that they were, they were building up. It wasn't something at a distance. It was close. It was intimate. And um, so the disciples, when they went into the houses, they were living with them for a longer period of time. And they were being taught this knowledge and the way to learn, to, to live, like to act, to do something. I don't want you guys to go to somebody's house now and to knock on the doors with your suitcases and like, Vince told me to be with you, to live in, live with you because, you know, I want to be your disciple. Don't, you know, don't start doing that. We have different ways now to, to make disciples, okay? That's what I like about our church, what's happening in our church right now because there are different people that are standing up and that are making time to do these train, trainings and courses to make disciples, to help make disciples. But if we are only doing this, which is a great thing, so I really encourage you guys to uh, find a connect group that you can connect with or, or um, yeah, that you can connect with um, and that is appropriate for the place that you are standing with in your faith life right now. So whether it's basics or essentials or deep in the word, they are all good. So go to one of those that, that you think is interesting and uh, uh, apply for that. And that's good that we are doing that. But if that's the only thing that we are doing to make disciples, we are missing what Jesus said. Because in, those, in that day, it was an intimate relationship. So it wasn't just teaching and then you go off and, and do whatever you want to do. In the days of the first disciples, sharing a meal with somebody was considered a sign of wholehearted friendship and peace. And Jesus showed, showed, showed the disciples that to do this not only with the brothers and sisters, 
but also do that with the tax collectors and the sinners. It was sharing this meal that made the intimate relationship as well. And the kingdom of God, the kingdom vision is that the kingdom is all-inclusive. Whoever wants to sit at that table is welcome to sit at the table and won't, won't be left out. And don't think you have to know everything first to open up your table or to disciple somebody. You know, when I was a student many, many, many years ago, I was a student, yes, I was, and I was following the teacher's lessons, right? And I was paying a lot of attention in class because I didn't want to have too much homework to go home with because then I couldn't go outside and play baseball or anything like that. So I was paying attention in the class, which caused me to know a little bit more than some of the other students maybe. And I could help the other student because I know a little bit more. And I could help them to get to my level of understanding, right? I didn't know what the teacher knew, but I could at least help somebody else to come up to my understanding. Just start sharing what you know with other people. Start sharing what you know about the Bible. And maybe somebody else doesn't know it yet, so you can lift them up into your understanding of the Bible. And if something comes up that you don't know yet, you go to somebody else that does know it, and you can ask them. In that way, you know, there's always somebody like a rabbi to follow, and there's always a disciple to lead. Let's be like this tiny animal in that big sea that causes somebody else to react to what we do or what they see from us or what they hear from us causes them to react to it which will save their lives let's not do it by thinking we have to do something big but just by starting doing small things like Peter said in, in, in the first service as an MC said, let's be faithful in the small things and let God make it big. You know, let's do that. And we'll see the kingdom of God grow very quickly and in a healthy way that we'll be able to make it a safe place for us to come in as well. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Heavenly Father, you're so, you're so great. You're so awesome. It is such a blessing to know you, God. I pray today that you will help us, God, to let other people see who you are, who you truly are. Not this kingdom that they, the church or kingdom that they see that is not truly you. And it doesn't represent you in the right way. I pray that we may be a church in the Netherlands, in Europe, all over the world, a church that represents you well, that will produce life from itself and be a safe place for others to come in and give them to t- the time to, to become something big, to become this, this weed instead of weeds. God, I pray that you will change our hearts where necessary change our kingdom view where necessary. Change the way that we behave where necessary. God, I pray that you will bless us, God, 
into doing your work. When we do your work, that you will bless it, God. When we do something small, that you will bless it and that it will multiply and that you will bring increase. That you will make it big, God. That it's not our doing, but your doing that is doing that. And that we may understand that and release every pressure that we have in feeling that we have to do something big. God, you just bless us for doing what we think that we could do at that time, at that moment. You, you bless it. God, I pray for each and every one of us to just walk by faith, just to walk in your lifestyle, to make disciples and to be a disciple. Thank you, God, for leading us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for doing a wonderful work through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.